We have three passages of scripture this morning. The first is from Mark chapter 2, 1 to 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the, the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they had questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. The second passage is from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the third passage is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Chris, I think you can go ahead and just stop it. So we have a little trouble with the video, but if uh, during the Sunday school hour we'll show it down in uh, down that way if anybody is interested in coming. Am I turned on now? Can you guys hear me? <laughs> I need to be right. Does, is this working? Yeah. Can you guys can hear me now? Okay. Okay. All right. Good morning, everybody. Ah, I'm very excited to be here today. Um, it's always good to come back here to this church. Um, it's so cool when I can look around the room and I see people that have known me since I was a baby. And... Uh, Sunday school teachers from when I was a kid and even through adulthood. Um, my fourth grade teacher is over here. My boss from my first teaching job is over here. So it's, uh, it's nice to be in part of, our, part of our home. It's nice to be back in America to see our family and friends. And uh, I'm just really excited to be here today. So I thank you guys for allowing us to come here and talk and to share what's happening um, in our part of the world. And so this morning, what I want to do, I have a short message that I want to give, and then I want to talk some about what's happening in Zambia in our lives. And so this morning, the first passage that we read from was from Matthew chapter 2. So you guys can, can turn back and refer back to that passage right now. Or I'm sorry, Mark, Mark chapter 2. And that the story of the, the paralytic that was healed. So we can see from this passage that Jesus is in this house and he's teaching right now. So he's teaching, and I'm sure he's doing a much better job than I'm doing, or or that Pastor Phil could do, 
Because it's Jesus Christ. And so I'm sure it was amazing. And you see what happens. That whole place is stuffed full of people. There's so many people in that house that you can't even get to the doors. People are spilling out the doors because it's so packed. And what happens? We see four men come with a, with a paralytic with them. And what are these men doing? They're bringing him to Jesus. <clears throat> and they're often called friends, but the Bible doesn't actually tell us that. The Bible says that four men brought Jesus. This, this same passage is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it doesn't ever call them friends, but we often refer to them as friends because of what they did. But we don't know. All that we know is that these four men brought these paralytic to Jesus. And then they get there and they see that it's too crowded. They see that they can't get this man into Jesus. And so what do they do? They climb up on the roof. Now, the roof was a little bit different in those days than it is for us here in Michigan. In those days, the roof was actually kind of an extension of the house. Depending on weather, depending on what was happening, it was an extension of the house that they would use for different functions and for different things. They, they would use it even to dry clothes on. They would use it to sit on as part of the house. And so it was a very important part of their house. So these men went up there, and it wasn't like our roofs that they're tearing up shingles, that they're getting out the sawzall and cutting a big hole in it. It wasn't quite like that. It was probably covered in, in some dirt and some other things like that, some hay, straw, that they had to dig through and then rip these tiles out and then lower this man into Jesus on his mat that he's on. I want to again read verse 5. Verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is a very, very powerful verse, and I want you to recognize two things in it. The first thing that I want you to recognize is that Jesus said, he didn't say because of this man's faith, it says because of their faith. Those men had the faith. What is faith? That's that true belief in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. So that's huge if you think about that, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't catch that for much of my life. I didn't catch that until a few years ago when I saw that Jesus was saying, their faith healed that man. It wasn't because of his faith, it was because of their faith. And the second part of that, that statement that he says, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was making a declaration right then. He was declaring who I am. He knew who was in that room with him. He knew that there was teachers of the law in that room with him and that they would be hearing that. And Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And so why did he say that right then? As we look further, I'm going to reread verses 6 through 12. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who, who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So we can see that the teachers of the law were judging Jesus' words. They were judging what he was saying to this man right then. 
But he said those words for a reason. He didn't just say those words for nothing. He said them for a reason. Jesus used those words to declare who he is. That he has authority to forgive the sins. We see then that he heals the man. And everyone is awed and amazed by this. Jesus healed the man physically. But what did he do first? He healed the man spiritually. And we know that that's more important than, hearing a, than healing a man physically is to be healed spiritually. But Jesus did both. But what can we take from this? I heard a sermon on this scripture a few years back. And when I heard this, I said to myself, I want to be those four men up on the roof. I want to be one of those men. What did those men do? They got to that house, and that house was too crowded to get this guy to Jesus, but they believed that he needed Jesus. They believed that Jesus would heal him. So what did they do? They tried to get him in the house. They couldn't do that. So they climb up on that roof, and they dig that roof apart because they know that no matter what, they have to get this man to Jesus. And that's how we should be as Christians. We should feel like we have to do everything we can to get people to know Jesus Christ, because that's the ultimate goal that we need to be doing in our lives. So I want to be like those four men, and I want each and every one of you to be like those four men. I want all of us in this room to be like those four men. I want anyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ to be like those four men, because stuff got in their way, but they didn't let that stop them. They still got this man to Jesus Christ, and this man was healed. And think about those people in the room and how it affected them. And think about how it's still affecting people today as they read the story about when that happened. So I want to be like those four men, and I hope that you do too. But there's two questions that I want you to think about right now. So write these down if if you can. I want you to think about two questions. Number one, who is your paralytic? Okay, who is your paralytic? So who is in your life that needs to hear about Jesus Christ? Who is there in your life that needs to hear about Jesus Christ? God has placed different people in your life for a reason. For us to be reaching out to them. Now we read the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Let's reread that. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The Bible reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So right there, Jesus is re-explaining, we have a job. Our job is to get out the word to everybody, ladies and gentlemen. And this next passage in Acts, when it talks about Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth, Holly, Fenton, Michigan, Ohio, yeah, even that state. <laughs> um, America, China, Africa, we're called to get the word out, ladies and gentlemen. This is our calling from Jesus Christ. And so who is your paralytic? Who in your life are you called to reach for Jesus Christ? Now, some of you, it might be your children or grandchildren. It can be family members. It could be anybody. It might be some of you um, 
in the nursery, if you're working in there, it might be, it might be anybody. But we, we know that we are all called to be reaching other people for Jesus Christ. My second question for you, what is your roof? What is your roof? And when I ask you what your roof is, what is getting in your way? What is stopping you from doing that? These men had to face that they couldn't get into that house that way. They had to climb up and dig through the roof. The roof got in the way, but what did they do? They tore it apart so that they could get Jesus to this guy. What is your roof? What is getting in your way of reaching others for Jesus Christ? Do you feel like you're not well equipped enough? Do you feel like you don't know the scripture well enough? Then get in it. (laughs) That's what we have to do. We have to dig deep into it so that we know the scripture so that we are equipped to do it. Do you feel, and and a lot of times that's just a fear that we have. Everybody has that fear sometimes. They feel uncomfortable sharing, like, what if I don't know enough? Well, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. But we also need to be doing our homework and being in the Word of God so that we do know. Um, Do you feel like people might look down upon you or react poorly towards you? There's different barriers for every person. But think about those two questions. Who is the paralytic in your life? In other words, who, who do you need to reach for Jesus Christ? And what is your roof? What do you need to do? What is there stuff that's in your way that you need to, to rip open so that you can get to Jesus for these people? And now I want to talk to you a little bit about those questions in my life, in my wife's life, and in our life. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what we're doing um, And so first of all, if I look at that first question in my life, when I'm talking about who is your paralytic, for for us and our paralytic, um, first thing is our family. I'm called to reach out, to reach my family for Jesus Christ. As the leader in my household, I'm called to that. My wife is called to that as a mother, to reach out to to her children and to disciple them and to teach them as she's called to. But in addition to that, we're also called to Zambia. And, and I know two and a half years ago we came here and uh, talked to you guys about feeling called there. Chris, is that going to work now? The slides won't work? Ah! <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you all have to go to the other room at the end. And uh, <laughs> we got a video and a couple slides to show you. Um, but, yes, so most of you know that I... And my wife are special ed teachers by trade. We were teachers here in the district of Holly um, for several, several years, and she taught at the Genesee Intermediate School District also. Um, and God called us to reach out to people with disabilities. And so we had started the week of camp up at Camp Lake Louise for people with disabilities and started doing discipleship in our home. And then God called us to Africa, where it's quite different um, then the United States, as far as the way people with disabilities are treated, they're treated so poorly there. Everyone looks down upon them. What they do is they look at them and they think that they're sinful. They think that they are cursed. And they think that that's why they're disabled. And God doesn't tell us that. There are instances where um, people have a disability because of sin. If we look at like fetal alcohol syndrome, if the mother is, is an alcoholic, then there's a reason that that kid has this disability. But if we look at John 9, for example, the blind men 
the, the blind man is there and the disciples see him. And the disciples say to Jesus, is he blind because his parents sin or because of his sin? And Jesus says, neither. It's to bring about God's glory. And then if we look in the book of Exodus, chapter 4, Moses, Jesus, God is talking to Moses. Think about that. God's talking to Moses himself. And Moses is listening to him. And God tells him he's going to go confront Pharaoh and talk to him. And what does Moses say? Does he say, yes, Lord, I will do what you call me to do? No, he says, I've never been eloquent of speech. He doesn't speak well. He has a speech impediment. He can't do it. And God says to him, who gave man his mouth or made him mute? Who made him blind or be able to see? Was it not I, the Lord God? And so we need to remember that. Now, in Zambia, they look at these people not as if the Lord chose them and that they're just regular people that we need to love, but that they're cursed. They're shunned, they're pushed aside, and they're not reached out to. These people and their families. Just grab my water real quick. So yeah, they're shunned. They're pushed out. They're not reached out to by the local church. Um, That happens here in America too, really. It still does. Um, But even worse so there. And, And so... These are the people that God has given us to work for. These are our paralytic. These are the people that God has called us to. And I want to tell you about a couple of them. And I'll show you the picture down there in a little bit. But there's um, a boy named Thomas that we have. Now, we, we have, we've been working at a school the last couple of years that reaches out to children with disabilities and their families. And so Thomas, he's about 10 years old, and he's just a beautiful child. Um, he's deaf. And... So what happened one day, uh, this was like a month after I had started working at the school, um, we, we opened up two more classrooms right when we got there because we had more staffing and more ability to do that. And so it went from 10 kids to when we left, we had 35 kids. But right when we started to grow, three women came. These three women were known prostitutes in our community that we work. And they came um, and talked to our head teacher. And they sat down with her and they explained that they have a boy that lives near them that is deaf, um, but he's a double orphan. So in other words, both of his mother and father are dead. And so they talked like the community just kind of looks out for this kid, and he just lives there in the community. Um, (coughs) And so they asked if we would be willing to take him at our school. And so the teacher said, yes, just bring him by tomorrow, and we can meet, meet him and talk to you a little bit more. And so they said, okay, and they left. Well, right after they left, another one of our teachers, another one of our Zambian teachers came to us and said, that boy isn't a double orphan. One of them is his mother. So think about what just happened there, ladies and gentlemen. This woman who's not even ashamed that she's a prostitute, that she sells her body so that she can make money. And it's hard... It's, it's a tough life there, ladies and gentlemen. It's a different world. She doesn't have opportunities. She can't just go get another job or go to Forgotten Harvest or anything like that. She doesn't have hardly any opportunities there. But she sells herself. She's a prostitute. She wasn't that ashamed of that, though. But she has a deaf child. And she was so ashamed of that deaf child that she denied her own kid. Think about that. She denied her own kid and said that I don't even have a child and lied about him. But that gave us an opportunity. And so we were able to talk to this mother and encourage her with the scriptures, encourage her with those verses that I just, I just talked about in John and in Exodus and tell her how it's not, this kid is a blessing from God. This is not a mistake. This is not something bad. 
but he's a blessing from God. And we get to speak to this woman. Um, she still has lots of issues. She's still a prostitute right now, but she's hearing the word of God. And this boy is in our school, and he's hearing the word of God every single day and being educated. Now think about the alternative for this boy. In this poor compound, he has no opportunities. He has a mother who's a prostitute. They have no money. What's he going to do? He's not going to end up with a very good life. He's probably going to end up being a thief and being a criminal, um, maybe in jail, maybe dead at a very young age. But now he's at school learning, and he's hearing the word of Jesus Christ. He's a beautiful child, ladies and gentlemen. He is. He is an awesome athlete. He loves soccer. Um, We had some friends that came the last two Jan- the last two Julys, and they blessed us with some soccer nets that are portable. And so every Friday, I bring him into the school. And every Friday, he's at my car when I pull up, like like wanting to get it open so that he can get those nets out and carry them for me. And uh, he just loves it. He's got a great personality. He lip reads, so um, they look at him like he's like he's stupid, like he's not smart in the community. But how smart is this? This boy lip reads and watches what the teacher is saying and is doing math better than most of our students. So, um, so that he's one of our good success stories. But he's also something that illustrates how much the struggle is real in Zambia for these families. Another um, person that I wanted to talk to you about is Bana Timothy and, Matthew, and Maurice. Bana means the mother of. That's a high honor in their society. So my wife, they would call her Bana Hannah because she's the mother of Hannah, our oldest. And so that's like an honor in that society. So, so Bana, Timothy, and Maurice. Timothy and Maurice are two students, brothers that we have in our program. And <coughs> Maurice is about 18 years old. He's in a wheelchair. And Timothy is, I think, five years old, and he actually learned to walk at our school. So that was awesome. They both have um, mental impairment also, but they're awesome young men. Now, this mother um, is someone who has really opened up to us with the struggles that she has had. This mother came to one of our workshops that we were having. So we have parent workshops where we educate on disability, things like first aid, but we always teach the word of Christ when they're there. And we were talking to her about some of these verses and how your kids are not a mistake. And she, this, this woman just broke down crying because in her community, she has two disabled children. So if it was bad enough to have one disabled child, she has two disabled children. And so what do they do with these disabled children? They look down upon them. They treat them poorly. They don't. And so this mother had been beaten down so many times. So she was just sitting there crying in this workshop because she's hearing about the truth in Scripture. So it's just so encouraging that we can have people like that who need to hear the word, who don't always get to, just because of disability. And so those people with disabilities in Zambia, that's, that's our paralytic. Another thing that we say is our paralytic is the people of our church and of our church community. We go to church in a different... So Zambia, um, we're in Kabwe, which is a city like three hours north of the capital city. So when we, we go there, we fly into the capital, and then we drive up about three hours. There's between 300 and 350,000 people in Kabwe. And so it sounds like it's a big city and everything like that. It's quite a bit more than Holly or Fenton. Um, but the town area is smaller than Fenton's town area because... Everyone lives in these little communities. And when I say little communities, it's not little. Um, there might be 50,000 people in the Nicoli compound. 
there's like a hundred and some thousand in this other compound. So our school was in this Nicoli compound. On the other side of town, there's Katondo, and that's where our church is located. Thankfully, when we got there, um, I did a discipleship training right when I started, and there was a Zambian pastor who was there, and he was joining the organization that we were with. And so I met him there, and we became very good friends. Like, we hit it off very well. We could see in each other's answers, and, and then talking to each other and hearing each other's doctrine, we were right along the same, the same wavelength. Which in Zambia, there is a lot of very bad doctrine there. And so it was great to meet this guy. We became good friends. We started attending his church shortly after that, and that's where our family goes to church to this day. And so they are great partners for us. Um, Through him, I met another man named Fred. He is the elder in the church. And he, so he and Victor and I and someone else take turns teaching, um, doing doing the preaching, doing the discipleship hour and stuff like that at the church. But they are such good partners to us. And we're, and we have a good way into this community. And there's a lot of broken people in this community. We talked about the prostitution. There's a high rate of prostitution. There's a high rate of alcoholism. There's a very high rate of AIDS and HIV in this community. And so um, my wife helps with the women. And every Saturday they do a women's group. And she helps teach and run that program. Um, I get the opportunities to teach and to preach. We reach out to the couples. And so we actually have like a marriage ministry that we've started there. And... And we try to teach them the biblical truth about marriage. There's a lot of machoism and stuff like that. And they look at, they look at like the woman is supposed to just serve at all times. These are some hardworking women in this country, ladies and gentlemen. They do a lot of work for their family. Um, but if we look in the scripture and it says that um, the, the church is, or the married couple is supposed to be, the husband is to be like Jesus is to the church then us husbands need to be doing a better job of serving. So I think that can go for everywhere in the world, but that's something that we really stress upon the the men that are in these um, marriage groups like this. So it's just a good opportunity that we can get in close with the community. And so what's happened through this is we've got some changes coming up. And so um, we have actually now left the organization that we were with as we felt God calling us this way. And we've started up our own organization. And so we've started up in Zambia. There's, it's called a PBO, a public benef- beneficiary organization. And we've started one up, and it's called Through the Roof. And that's based off the scripture that we just talked about. Because what did those men do? They moved everything to get that man through the roof to Jesus. And so Through the Roof is the name of our organization. And we have started up a nonprofit here in Michigan. So we have Through the Roof here in Michigan, and we have a board that, that is over our organization. And we're applying for our 501c3 status right now. And uh, it's been a long process. My wife has been working very, very diligently for the last month and a half since we've been here. Um, but what this is going to enable us to do is partner more closely with that local church. Our goal is to start up um, the Through the Roof Program Center where we will have programs for disabled children and outreaches to their families. But we'll also be able to do more with the church, with discipleship, with children's programs, with program reaching out to women in the community and stuff like that. We just thank God that we are given this opportunity with the church that we have um, 
in Zambia, that we can partner with them, that we can employ some of them, and that we can try to reach this community more for Jesus Christ. So we're very excited about that. <laughs> and in fact, we had, um, I mentioned the elder in our church. His name is Fred, and Fred is a very good friend of mine. Fred is an awesome, generous, kind, he's a, he's a great man. Um, he is a business owner in town. He owns a restaurant, and he has surprised us in some different ways. But recently, in July, we were um, actually taking our students on a field trip. Some people from, from here funded our, our field trip for the kids. They don't get to normally do stuff like that. We took them in town to a park, and then we took them to Fred's restaurant, which these kids each week get a very small amount of protein in their diet. When we go to Fred's place, they get a fish like that big, and, and they're just like in heaven. It's like the greatest day for them. Their, their smiles are bigger than the fish. So, um, But we were there, and my wife was sitting there with one of the students. I think she was feeding one of the students, and Fred came up to her. Now, just that morning, as Becky and I had felt the calling more so to do this, we, um, we were talking that very morning and saying, what are we going to do? Are we going to try to just run something through the church? Are we going to rent a building? Are we going to try to buy a plot and build something? What are we going to do? And so just that very day, Fred comes up to Becky and he says, Becky, I have a plot in Katondo that I want to give you guys for your organization. And so that very day, God answers, uh, God answers that question for us and says, here's this plot of land. It's a beautiful plot of land, and I'll show you a picture of it on the video down there in a little while. <laughs> um, but it's just more confirmation from God that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so um, we, just, uh, we, just, we just are so grateful to God that he's willing to use us, people who are very imperfect um, and... We just thank God that we have these opportunities like this. Now, we talked about um, what is your roof. And so I want to talk about some of my roofs, some of our roofs as our new organization. And so our roof, the thing that's stopping us from getting to Jesus. Um, number one, our work permits. So these are things I, wouldn't, I would love for you guys to pray about if you're willing to. So number one, our work permits. Um, work permits can be kind of funny in Zambia. So we do have a lawyer that we're working with in Zambia, and he's helping us with that. But we don't have them yet, so just pray for them. As we have plane tickets to return in January, we're going to pray that those come in plenty of time before January. So if you guys could pray for that. Also, our approval of our 501c3 status. We're a nonprofit, and we can act as a nonprofit here in Michigan. We just are waiting on our tax-exempt status, but we are applying for that right now. And that's a lot of fun, but it's, uh, it's coming, and it's going to happen, and we know that. Um, you can pray for our program center that we feel God leading us to open. The awesome thing is that we have a great church there, and we can use that church when we get there to start our programs up and everything like that. Um, but we do feel like we're called to do this, and so... <coughs> um, so that's what one of the things that we're fundraising for while we're here in the States right now, that we can build a program center that we can use for the community to be able to reach out and to have quality programs that are teaching the truth in Jesus Christ. One thing that I didn't talk about too much, though, was the state of the church in Zambia. There is a lot of um, false teaching, a lot of unsound doctrine that happens there. There are a lot of pastors... And when, when you have the pastor, they are set 
above everybody else. It's almost like they're closer to God, and they and they what comes out of their mouth they take for what's the total truth. When I teach there, I tell people, and like I'm telling you guys right now, if I, whatever I'm teaching, whatever he's teaching, make sure it's in the Word of God, okay? Because people don't check on that. People, one of the struggles too is reading and even having a Bible to read. Um, but pastors take, they do a lot of prosperity gospel there. So they're doing prosperity gospel. Someone might make $60, 60 US dollars in a month, and they're doing this prosperity gospel and making them give 50 of the dollars to the church so that they can be blessed and everything like that. So just think about how terrible that is, even in that society, where these people who have nothing and these people are being preyed upon. Um, my wife has taught on some different things to some of the women, and um, there's questions about communion, like um, if it was my time of the month, then I can't take communion, can I? There's a lot of stuff that's taken way out of context. There's questions about baptism, and someone that said, oh, they struggled with sin again after they were baptized, so the pastor just baptized them again. They got baptized like 10, 15 times and just kept doing it. Um, there's a lot of unsound doctrine there. And so that discipleship piece is so important. Um, there's so much of that false doctrine that's taught. And so <coughs> we just really try to teach the people. You find out where it is in the Bible. You read before, you read after it. You make sure you know that you understand it. And it's not just coming from someone's mouth because things get twisted too easily then. <coughs> okay, another of our uh, our roofs, um, finances. We'll, we have to raise a little bit more support than we did last time. Um, most people who are giving to us monthly are going to continue to give to us monthly, but we need a little bit more support than that because we're going to be employing some Zambian um, co-workers now. So we'll be um, having to support them and the different programs at the program center and stuff like that. So um, and then the other thing is to have God-appointed co-workers because there's some different people in our church that my wife and I have thought about and are, are hoping to bring onto our team and we're hoping that God will reveal the right workers to have as part of this ministry. People with good integrity, people who want to do this and have a desire for this. And not just looking at an opportunity for a job, but people who are called to this type of ministry. And so I just ask that you guys would pray for those things, and I just appreciate that very much. Um, in the back on the table, um, if you're interested afterwards... There are two things. First of all, there's our new prayer cards. So some of you might still have our old prayer cards up in your house. I hope you do still. Um, but in the back, there's new prayer cards with some new prayer requests and also information on there, like our new website. We have a new website that we've started up for our new organization, and that's on there. Um, and then also there are some um, commitment cards. Is that what they're called? <laughs> Um, but we have some cards out there, and you can fill it out with your name, address, all of your information. And then if you want to receive our newsletter, and you can put an email address down, um, you can do that. <coughs> um, if you want to give to the organization, then you can mark it on there. Um, and some people give once a year, one time, monthly, um, different stuff like that if you're interested in partnering with us. Um, the other option on there is th that you would like to meet with us. We're home until January, and so if people are interested in our ministry, want to meet with us and stuff like that, then, then we can try to fit that into our schedule and uh, be able to sit down with you, talk more about what we're doing in Zambia and, and how you can be partners with us. 
And we thank you guys because as a church, we know you guys support us. You guys support us financially. You guys support us through prayer. We know that we have a lot of prayers from this church that, um, that go out for my family. So I thank you all for that. Um, I see my kids are here now with Grandma. They stay the night with Grandma, so they're in the back. So if you guys haven't seen them um, for a long time, you'll get to, get to see them. And uh, we thank you for allowing us to be here today.